Your way is better Shake up the ground For my tradition Break down the walls For my religion Your way is better Your way is better Shake up the ground For my tradition Break down the walls For my religion Your way is better way is better and I will make room for you do whatever you want to do whatever you want to and I will make room for you do whatever you want to do whatever you want to
There's a hunger Yeah, I'm a thirst I am desperate Immerse me And I'm not waiting Not anymore I need you, Lord
is the wind Your love is the flame I want to burn for your name Yeah, we, Father, we sang this song Fall away, everything fall away We sang a song about Lord being hungry for you And our Father got us Everything has fallen away if we have truly let you come in and let everything be pushed out that is taking up too much room in our lives. God, when all that is moved out the way, then we can truly sing that our hearts are the way. Your love is the flame. And I want to burn for your name, Father. But as long as we have all the mess of the world, we're trying to see how to fit junk of our life into your world, Lord. It'll never happen. It'll just be a Sunday morning, Wednesday night thing. And our lives will never burn for him. But when we lay it all down, we gain so much more. But we can't see it until we lay it down. We can't see it until we lay it down. God, let our hearts be the fuel for the fire that you want to burn. My heart is the wick. Love is the flame. I want to burn for you. My heart is the wick. Love. Father, you're the only reason that we've come into this place today because the giving of your son to bring us into right relationship with you enables us to come. And so, Father, we just say we want to burn. We want our lives to burn. We want to be the light that shines 
in the world of darkness around us, Lord God. Father, that, that we would draw attention to you, Lord God. That's what it's all about. And so, Father, we just pray tonight that your Holy Spirit would have his way among us. He would speak through us, minister to one another, that the purpose that you have, Father, for this night would be brought forth in our lives. And we give you the glory. We just give you the glory for it. Because you're worthy of it all, Lord God. I'd like us to just take a few moments to, we have a lot of folks that are battling sickness in, in their families and in their homes. And can we just, just pray for them right now? Uh, pray for healing. Pray for those who are the caregivers and, and uh, you know, that God would just supernaturally touch them right where they're at. I remember the very first time that I experienced that. I woke up with a severe sore throat when I was younger. Um, in my early teens, from seventh grade on, I must have had strep throat four or five times a year. And I remember waking up in the morning, and that morning, I couldn't hardly talk. I knew I had strep throat. And I was a new believer. And I went to my mom, who led me to the Lord, you know. And I just said, Mom, I can't talk. I think I got strep throat. She said, well, we can go to the base hospital, because we're military. Which, if you've ever been through that, that's not fun. And... Uh, she said, or we could just anoint you with oil and pray. I said, just uh, get the oil, Mama. Just just get the oil. And she went and got some Crisco out of the cupboard, you know, and put that on the end of her hand and stuck that on my head. And my mom, my sweet little mama, just started praying. And I said, there, you know, man, if you've ever been there, it's just hard to even swallow, you know. And so I was trying not to swallow, trying not to, do anything she just prayed a very simple prayer and when she did I swallowed and I'm telling you it freaked me out that the soreness was gone the swelling was gone that thing that was just you know jabbing me in the throat was completely gone I looked at her and I said mom it's gone she goes well of course And I was like, whoa, this is, I never had experienced that. And uh, I know God can do that. So let's just pray right now. Father, we just lift up our church family. From adults to children that are suffering with sickness right now. Father, we come against sickness in the name of Jesus. We speak the word of faith over them, Lord God, and we say, be healed in Jesus' name. There is no limit as far as mileage, distance. Your word goes forth, and we agree. The word says that we agree touching any one thing. God, we, this is what we agree on right now for healing to flow from home to home to home and from individual to individual.
In the name of Jesus, let fever be gone, all aching be gone, all sickness be gone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you take a moment maybe greet somebody you've not had a chance to say hello to that maybe came in late or later than you did. I guess I should say. You know, 1 Corinthians 14 says that uh, that as brothers and sisters in the Lord, that when we come together, it says each of you are to have a hymn or a word or an instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation that everything must be done that the church would be built up. That's what it says. And it says everyone. I'm looking at everyone. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah. So, so, stand up and look and see if there's someone you don't see. So I'm just wondering, is there anybody here tonight that you have either a, a testimony or something in the word that God showed you and that really spoke to you, that really ministered, that you think would be a blessing to others or anything? Y'all quiet. I can hear the youth upstairs. <laughs> Oh, that's just the way it is. And look, they're, they're not even against that wall. They're all the way <laughs> on the other side. And But anyway, anyone? No? Huh? All these things. Amen. What was the reference again? Jeremiah. Jeremiah 14.22 for anyone who's listening online. They can look it up in their Bible. It's good. Anybody else? No? Okay. Let me turn this other mic off. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all, to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I simply title the message Signs. Signs, that's it. Um, our life, our life mission, if you could put it that way, is to share the good news about Jesus Christ every day in every way. However, whatever 
presents whatever is presented to you, whatever opportunity comes, you do it however it needs to be. Um, that's what Jesus meant when he said, you're the light of the world. We have to understand we're the light. And, and um, uh, that, that, that's just a cool thing. I mean, we are the light, okay? So Jesus was giving his audience a word picture that made a lot of sense to them. Uh, when Jesus said, we are to shine like a city on a hill, he may have been referring to a city that all of them had seen in that area where he was speaking. And it was the city of Tiberias, which was built by Herod the Great, and it was beside the Sea of Galilee. And so if you picture uh, a city built beside the Sea of Galilee at night, and it's all lit up, all the lights of individual homes and everything else, it would be reflecting off the water against the backdrop, everything. It, in any given night, it would have been visible from, from either shore, no matter where they were. They would have been able to see the multitude of lights that was going there. So when Jesus said, neither do people take a, a, put a lamp under a bowl, I, I don't know, in, in, in my mind, I think that maybe some of the people probably snickered a little bit, like, well, who would light a lamp? Because you have to remember, a lamp's not like an electric lamp or a flashlight like we're talking about. There would have been, you know, an oil lamp, and, and if you stick it under something, of course, what happens when you stick it under something like that? It goes out because the oxygen is gone, and fire requires oxygen to burn. And so what would be the point of lighting a lamp and then putting it under something because it's just going to make the, the light go out. And so Jesus was speaking in a manner that they could identify with. And so I want to use a different word picture uh, that might help us see a familiar, um, this familiar passage in a little different light, but in the same way. And that is that Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Okay, so we are human versions of that light. And so I'm going to change it a little bit to signs. We are, we are like a human version of a, of a sign. And, and if you are associated with a fellowship or a church, you are associated with a church. So, for example, we have, when people go, where do you pastor? Or where are you the pastor? Or where are you the minister? I tell them it's down Johnson Street, about two miles south of the Mall of Acadiana. I said, and it's got a big electronic sign out there, a color sign. And people will go, I seen that. I know where you're talking about. They immediately know exactly where I'm talking about because they see the sign. And, um, and there, let me just give you a couple few things. This isn't rocket science tonight, but it is important for us to understand it. A sign is meant to be seen, right? I mean, uh, I, I'm trying to remember where it was. Years ago, I was in a town in, um, I think it was in Mississippi. And as you entered the town, the city limit sign was right there, but there was this trees that had overgrown that corner and right behind the tree was a speed limit sign and you couldn't see the sign to save your life and I remember going into the town I always I always drive with my cruise control on 
because it's just too easy to get talking or whatever and singing, listening to a book or whatever and just hit your, you know, floor, pedal to the floor. <coughs> so I remember uh, knocking my cruise off and cruising across the line. And guess who else was right behind that bush with that stop sign? It was the local constable, you know, <laughs> the police officer. Here he come. <coughs> and I'm like, dude. You have got to be kidding me. He comes out, and, you know, we go through the whole thing. Let me see your registration license, all that kind of stuff. He said, uh, do you know how fast you're going? I said, I know I'm not going as fast as what you think you were I'm going, but I know I'm going faster than what, but I said, there's no speed limit sign yet. I don't know what the speed limit is. He goes, oh, yeah, there is. It's right behind that bush where I was. And I'm like, well, nobody can see that. And anyway, long story short, I happened to have, this is before phones with cameras, and I happened to have my camera in my car. So I went back after he took the, gave me a ticket, and I went back and took a picture of it. You cannot see the sign. And so uh, usually I could tell you that fighting a ticket in court is a lost cause. I learned that the hard way. They may dismiss the ticket, but then you've got to pay the court costs, and the court costs are sometimes more than the ticket, you know? And so um, anyway, I said, I'm going to take my chance on this one. And so I sent in copies of the pictures and everything else, the date. It was dated and stamped. I had it. I went to the post office, had them stamp the date on, on my photocopies and stuff and sent it in. Long story short, I got it dismissed. And uh, because that sign was put there to be, and it was made to be seen, but it was hidden. So it was not functioning as it was supposed to, right? So uh, um, to paraphrase Matthew 5, what Jesus just said, he, I'm going to modernize it a little bit. He said, neither do people construct a church sign and put it behind the building. I mean, what would be the point, right? When, and I'll tell you this because I don't think any of you know, but Crystal was here at the time. And, um, but when I first came here as pastor, there were about 18 giant pine trees that lined the ditch on this side of the, of the drainage ditch on Johnson Street. Now, I'm talking about giant pine trees. And you didn't even know this building was here. They were trunk to trunk to trunk. And, and the only way I saw it, and this will play into this a little bit later, was they had one of those old flashing arrow signs that you see at bars and stuff like that, you know? And it was usually missing most of the letters, and it was straddling that drainage ditch. And it was pointing to the trees, not the driveway, but it was pointing to the trees and, and half the letters were gone. And I remember thinking, where's the sign? There's no sign. That was their sign. It was that flashing sign with the missing letters and everything. And they had, they had uh, the uh, initials of the church flush against the drive-through. And so you couldn't see it, the building to start with. And, and you have to understand... If I, sh I should have brought the original picture of the color of the church. It's like, have you ever been to Florida and seen that, like, flamingo peach? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 
that was the whole building except for the columns that were kind of cream colored. In fact, if you look at one of the gutters out there that's been replaced right behind it, there's a small little patch at the time. The gutters fell off during a storm, but there's a small little patch, and you can see the color, and the whole building was that color. I mean, how do you miss that, right? And, and, and so um, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't going to work. You know, we, we got to get these trees down. So that was one of the first things that I did was I went around to everybody and I found out how much it was going to cost and we cut the trees down. And then I got someone to haul off the trees. He wanted the, I said, I said, you can have the trees for free, but you got to haul them all off because he wanted them for, for pulp wood, you know, whatever. And so then I had to get the stumps ground down. And for the next several weeks, people were like, hey, they just built a new building right around the corner there on Johnson Street. It had been hid for almost five years. Nobody had seen it. But there still was not a sign. The only sign was that flashing arrow sign that straddled the drainage ditch. And every day I'd go out there and pick up letters from the sign in the drainage ditch, usually floating in the water with the trash and everything. I'm telling you, that's not what... The, that's not what we wanted. So I went to the church and I said, we need a, we need a sign. And, and I said, I'm going to tell you this, having spent years and years in the restaurant business. I said, I am not getting a sign that has those plastic letters that you got to take the pole. Come on, guys. Some of you, some of you that know what I'm talking about. And you got to go out there and take the letters down and then put the letters up. And then you got to slide it down this way and, you know. I said, not going to happen. It's going to be an electronic sign. And, of course, at, at that time, really all they had was amber and red. And Don Seafood had just put in a color sign, not like the good ones we have now. And somebody in the church said, well, why can't we have a color sign? I said, first thing, the sign's going to cost $25,000. And if you want color, it's going to cost another $25,000. And they said, well, let's get that color sign. I said, well, somebody better put up some money. And uh, um, so I, I'm just telling you this. That, so then we had to do a study. We had to do a study of how many cars every day went past the church. What, was it feasible? Was it worth it? And at that time, there were 28,000 cars a day that were going by in front of the church. And... Um, then after Katrina, that jumped to like 39,000. And then recently we had it done a few years ago, and it's up to 47,000 cars a day that go by. And so we said, we need a big sign. And we wanted as tall as we could get at the time. And right after we ordered it and got the permit, they passed the rule that all the signs had to be down on the ground. And I said, they came to me, and I said, no, 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 you've already stamped my permit. I've already paid it, and it's already being fabricated. If you want it changed, I'm going to sue you, and you're going to end up buying my sign. So they let it go. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But we had to have not only a study about the cars. At that time, the speed limit out here was 65. So we learned from the electronic sign company that 
the quality or the number of pixels that they had in the sign at that time had to meet a certain quality because cars driving at 65 miles an hour needed to be you needed to be able to read it not only that we had to find we found out we had to have them aimed downward so that they didn't see black circles all around it they had to aim it down so that it looked like a smooth sign and then um, we had to find out how wide it had to be and there was just all kinds of stuff because otherwise what was the point of spending fifty thousand dollars on a sign that nobody was going to be able to read and uh, I mean it had to withstand at that time 110 mile an hour winds uh, the colors, there were like 16.7 million colors, all this kind of stuff. And um, uh, church signs to me have always been either a good thing or a bad thing. And because um, I've seen some, and I'm going to show you a few. I have collected over the years photographs of church signs and the sayings that were on them. I'm going to show you just a few, but I've been collecting them for a long time. And, um, but let's get back to this. Signs are meant to be seen. And so think of yourself as a living church sign, if I can put it that way. And, and what is your sign communicating? What is it communicating? Uh, does it communicate your faith in Christ in a way that makes people sense Christ? Is, is our faith out in the open? Is it suited for the environment? I mean, what would be a sign, good of a, a sign if it wasn't made for the, to withstand the elements, right? Is, is, is your life well lit so that it shines even in the darkest of places? Um, someone, um, uh, I'm trying to remember now. Anyway, I, I went to a thing in Nashville a few weeks ago for two days, and they gave out a bunch of gifts, and one of them was uh, an LED flashlight. The thing weighs like five pounds. You could hurt somebody with it, and it's just about this long, you know. And But on the side, it had looked like LED lights. On the handle, I'm like, oh, my. I kept pushing the button, and it would come on, and then it would get a little dimmer, then it would flash. But then you know, the main one, but I'm like, how do I get these lights to come on the side? So one day I was sitting there in my chair and I was messing with it, just pressing, thinking if I had pressed it twice, whatever. There were no instructions. I didn't know how to, I'm thinking, how stupid is this to have a light? And then I found that if you hold the button for like about three seconds, it lit up the side. And of course, when I did it, it was right aimed to my face. And I'm like, I can't see, I can't see, and I'm trying to turn it away. And you know when you've seen a flash or something and you close your eyes, you still can't see anything. And I had to sit there like for 20 seconds like, I can't see anything, can't see anything. And um, I know that sounds crazy, but our light is meant to be that bright. It's meant to shine. It's meant to see. So I was just thinking at the first of the year, it's, it's a good time to take inventory to ask ourselves, as, as human church signs, if I could put it that way, or walking church signs, 
Um, is the love of Jesus Christ shining through our lives to our friends, our co-workers, our families, our neighbors? What is our sign saying? Okay? The second thing that a sign should do is create positive interest. Um, I, I showed this one time many years ago. I didn't bring it tonight, but... Um, uh, years ago, I opened a, a Sonic drive-in up in Tennessee, and we had a rule that you had to change that sign every two days, and, and Andrew, it was the kind with the letters, you know, and it was way up there, man, you know, so you had that extension thing, like, all the way out, and the suction cup half the time didn't grab the letters, and, and uh, we had a whole list of these crazy sayings that we would put on the sign, and so... Um, one time I told one of the guys, I said, go change the sign. He goes, what do you want on it? I said, I don't care. Put whatever you want. And so a little while later, I get a phone call. I said, have you read your sign? And I said, no, been a little busy. And it went out there, and it said, the boss said change the sign, so I did. <laughs> That's what it said. I'm like, dude. He said, you said whatever. He didn't, you didn't care. Just change the sign. I said, okay, I got a smart aleck right here. So I said, okay, go, go back and change the sign. He said, what do you want? And I said, well, here's a whole list of things. And somebody came and whispered to him. And, and next thing, I knew something was up, but I didn't really care. You know, I just like, just change it. Get that thing off of there. And uh, we were right near, we, our, our business was like uh, less than a half a block from a major intersection in that town at the time. We were on the edge of town, so to speak. And there was a, a huge flowers bakery right across the way. And um, uh, all of a sudden, I started having state troopers show up asking me to change my sign. And I said, why? They said, have you read your sign lately? And you just can't imagine. It was during grand opening, and it was crazy and nonstop from open to close. And I'm like, no, why? He said, it's causing, we've had like five wrecks in a day and a half, and almost twice as many near wrecks. You need to change the sign. I'm thinking, what in the world did they put on the sign, you know? So I go out there, and it says, backwards from right to left help I'm trapped inside this sign and so people can't read it so they were passing the sign and looking in their mirror to see what it said right through the intersection and slamming into cars well the sign created positive interest, but not in the right way. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it, it should be something that grabs your attention, right? Uh, a good sign will grab your attention with either with a memorable thing. You know, I've got a picture of a, uh, I, I did a barbecue contest in North Alabama a year and a half ago, and there was a run-down, beat-down, old drive-up, walk-up burger place that just looked horrible from the outside, but it was packed with cars. So I said, okay, something's going on in there. So let's go in there. My brother-in-law and I went in there, and there was a sign in there. Um, and, and, and I can't remember now. I should have looked on my phone, but it was said something like, fast food 
real good fast food, uh, real good fast food uh, was like um, done right may take a while. <laughs> you know, so it was like it was it was fast food, but it wasn't going to be fast. It was the it, it, and I was like, that's crazy, you know. They had all these signs that were in there, and um, but church signs in the past have been notorious for um, being terribly thought out, or they've used so much Christianese language that. Non-followers of Christ have no clue what it what it what it's supposed to mean, right? And um, like for example, here's one I used to see a lot: down on the mouth, it's time for a faith lift. Not a face lift, a faith lift. Yeah. Then I saw one that says, "When in doubt, LJL." I had to call the church to find out what that meant. Let Jesus lead. Like, really? I mean, like, you know, um, uh, or the, when years ago when the email first came out, you know, God answers an email. Yeah. The best vitamin for a Christian is B1. Oh, like, or God loves everybody, but he prefers the fruits of the Spirit to nuts. I'm like, is this really what you're trying to convey to a world that doesn't know Jesus at all? I mean, they may be cute to church people, but I detested them. And, and I'm just going to show you a few of, few of the ones I've collected over the years. This, this one says, um, everlasting punishment, all are welcome. I'd want to go there. Don't dishonor your father by sleeping with your mother. Leviticus 18.7. <laughs> Come on. Here, here's one. You give God the credit, now give God the cash. <laughs> Can I say? Not well thought out, right? Here's one. Get her done for God. <laughs> the cable guy. Get her done for, for God. Right? Uh, how about this one? Revival canceled due to illness. Service as usual. <laughs> but it says revival canceled due to illness. Service as usual. I mean, it's like. Okay. I think I got one. More. God wants to kill you. I have no clue what they were trying to say there. Yeah, maybe die to self, I don't know. But die to self doesn't mean God's trying to kill me, right? I think I got one more. Don't let worries kill you, let the church help. Yeah. My favorite one, I don't think, I don't have it up there. I saw it in West Monroe when I was pastoring outside West Monroe. And... And they had a small brick sign that had letters about this big, you know, the plastic letters. And so it only had two lines, and it was only about like three and a half, four feet long. So the letters were like this big and two lines. So it, 
You couldn't put hardly anything on it at all. And so it was right before Easter, and I happened to be somewhere, and I said, let me cut past the red light down here. And I went down that road by that church, and, and it was Easter week, and it says, he is not here. That's all it said. You know, he is not here, he is risen. But it, all it said was, he is not here. And I stopped and took a picture of it, and I thought, thank you for telling me or warning us, you know, that he's not here. And, and I have, so when we first got this sign, I had people coming to me all the time. Oh, you got to put this up there. You got to put, I'm like, no, I'm not putting those crazy, you know, churchy sayings, you know, that kind of slogan kind of stuff up there. Because a, a church sign should represent the ministry of God in, in, that's, that's in a way that's done well, right? I mean, um, our goal should be to, for us to represent God well. And so if we are like living church signs, then are we representing God well? And if we're going to represent God well, then there's two things we have to keep in mind. The first one is we should have a distinctive message. Um, I, I, some, a few years ago, I read a um, revealing uh, study, and it was about people who professed in America who professed to be born again. And went on to say at that time, and I know the numbers are worse now because the numbers have been declining the last few years, but it went on to say that one-third of those who profess to be born again by the Spirit of God believe in the possibility of communicating with the dead. One-third of them believe both in reincarnation and astrology. And 50%, actually it was a little more than 50%, believe Christians, uh, born-again Christians, believe in psychic powers. And there was a long, long list. And, um, of course, none of those beliefs are biblical. In fact, some of them are very anti-biblical. Um, so how can we let our light shine if, if uh, our message is blending with the darkness? Yeah. You know, light, light has to shine. Um, I, I don't know if you've really... Yeah, well, and, that, and I'm... I'm sad to say that a lot of Christians uh, like to walk around wearing camouflage. Think about it. They just blend in. Can't, you can't see them. You can't tell them where they are or anything else. And if our light's going to shine in the darkness, then our conduct must be markedly different from the world. That doesn't mean we're nuts or we're crazy or we act stupid or we, or we look down on people or anything like that. But people are watching us to see if what we believe really does make a difference in the way we live. So if you say that you believe in Christ and you believe in the Bible and you believe this and you believe, and listen, I'm just telling you the false teachings that are, that are flooding the church are mind-blowing from uh, people who are calling themselves prophetic prophets and whatever, and, and that the keys to understanding Scripture, everything is from you got to read the Bible backwards so that 
there, you can find the hidden messages that are in there. And I mean, all kinds of stuff. Folks, Jesus spoke out in public. He spoke plainly to the people. And the people said, we've never heard teaching like this before. And, and our, our lives need to reflect that. So we need to have a distinctive message, but we also need to have a positive message. Okay? Um, would you walk into a church with a sign in the front yard read, come join us, we're a bunch of negative, conceited, argumentative, stubborn, obnoxious people? Thinking, no, I live with them people at my house. I don't want to, I sure don't want to go spend, get up and spend two hours with them on Sunday morning, right? So what kind of message is being written on your sign? What kind of message is being written on your sign? For us as human church signs, if we can put it that way, we need to check the message on our sign. The message on our sign and our lives needs to be positive, compassionate, understandable, sensible, genuine, and unmistakably Christian. Not Christian according to world standards, Christian according to biblical standards. And um, we don't need to hunt for clever sayings. We just need to... We need to live what Jesus said. In Matthew 5, 16 and 8, he said, in the same way, he talked about putting light on a hill, not under a basket. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they might see your good works. And the focus there is not so much on the light shining, but that last part, it says, so that they may see your good works. Good works is a term that's easy to define. You, you know how you define good works? Doing work that's good. <laughs> you know, that's doing good works. That's what it is. Doing work that is good. Um, and, and, and the part about works, though, is that it means effort. So we have to put an effort into broadcasting whatever our message is through our lives. Um, uh, it's not just doing something. You know, there used to be an old saying, don't just stand there, do something. Has anybody ever heard that before? I grew up hearing that. Don't just stand there, do something. Well, but what if the something's the wrong thing? You know, or, or whatever. It's like, don't just, do, don't just do something, do something good. So I won't take it that way. Do something good because you're broadcasting a message with your life by doing something good. It could be anything from fixing someone's car or helping them fix their car, preparing a meal, working on a house, uh, playing with Play-Doh with little kids, uh, uh, listening to someone who needs just someone to listen. And they're not looking for answers. They're just needing someone to hear them. The opportunity for good works is is, is, is limitless. I mean, it's, and, and each, each one of those works, every time we do something like that, it enables our light to shine brightly for the Lord. So we just have to ask two questions. Is it good and is it works? And if it's good and it works, then God says, then let your light shine and by doing good works. And don't have to worry about it. And then the third thing that about a sign is a sign draws attention to something else. The sign shouldn't be drawing attention to the sign. The sign should be drawing attention to the message or something 
else. Jesus said again in Matthew 5.16, look what he says. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So it's not just about doing good works to make you look good. It's doing good works that the Father in heaven gets the glory for it. It's, it's, it's really so simple. Um, about, again, it was 30 plus years ago when they came out with those flashing arrow signs. And they used to cost about, I remember at the time, it was like 600 bucks, but back in those days, $600 was a lot of money. Um, it, but, and it was, in its day, cutting edge technology, okay? But in today's, when you see one of those old, I, I may be wrong, but when you see, if you see one of those old signs and it's barely flashing the arrow and, you know, and whatever, what do you think of? Just anyone. Any, any thoughts? What does it say to you? Old. Run down. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what it says to me. Run down, neglected, um, just, you know, it's there, but it's not cared for or whatever. Um, but it will shine. <laughs> but, it's, but what is it saying? What is it saying? Uh, the people that lived in Jesus' day are no different than the people who are living today. And, and they're trying to live each day and they're trying to provide uh, for the daily needs and the, for their families. And in the midst of doing that, God knew that they were going to need something bright pointing them in a specific direction. So what does God do? The shepherds came. And what did the shepherds say to, I mean, the angels came to the shepherds. And what did the, what did the angels say to the shepherds? This shall be a sign unto you. A baby wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. It was pointing them in a specific direction that something was taking place. I went through the scriptures just this afternoon, started doing a sign, a sign, a sign, just in the New Testament. It was amazing how many times it popped up in this, this type of context. 30 years after Jesus is born, 30-something years after Jesus is born, um, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, in Matthew 12 and 40 turned to Jesus and said, show us a sign that proves you are who you say you are. Well, he had already done all those things. I mean, he had already done the signs that they had said when Messiah comes, he'll do this, this, and this. He had already done them. And so what does Jesus say to him? He basically says to him, he said, he said, a wicked and perverse generation looks for a sign. He said, and the only sign that you're going to get is, will be the same sign as Jonah, who spent three days in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man. But he was trying, again, he didn't say, I'm not going to give you a sign, forget it. He said, there's going to be one sign for you, and that's it. And what was it? Jonah, three days, belly of the whale. Jesus, three days, rises from the tomb. And that was their sign. And still they didn't accept the sign. Because what did they do? They went about spreading money 
and getting people to set, tell the tales that what? That his disciples had come and stolen the body. They rejected the sign. And here's the thing, you can have the best sign in the world and the sign can be broadcasting what they need to hear or need, it needs to say, but people can still ignore the sign. But just because people ignore the sign doesn't mean we don't let it shine. We have, that's our responsibility, is let our light shine before men that God can get the glory. In Matthew 24, verse uh, just these few verses here. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? See, again, they're looking for a sign. Because what? It, it, it tells you something. It, what, they're saying, what will be the signs or signs that tells us the end of the age is coming? Uh, that's, what, that's what Jews believe in. They, they don't understand. We understand God has dealt with man in like six different dispensations of time. They believe in one age now and the age when Messiah comes. And so when Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you even to the end of the age, that's this present time, and that's what they understood because they knew that the next age was the age of Messiah, which we understand is when Christ comes back again. But he goes on and says, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. And then verse 7 and 8, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of birth pains. What's a birth pain? Come on, ladies, help me out here. What's a, what's a labor pain? What's a birth pain? It's a sign there's a birth about to take place, right? It's, it's not the birth, but it's a sign. You know, when you go, oh, uh, you know, I know there's false signs, but then when the real ones come, there ain't no wait, there's no like, wait a week, you know, we got to do this. No, I mean, that baby's coming. It's a sign. And that's what Jesus was saying. These are the beginning of birth pains. These are the sign that these things are coming. And then he goes down to verse 32. He says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. So the signs of the times are pointing to the return of Christ. Can I tell you, there are things happening in our world just in the last couple of weeks that are on major scale, things that are, that are taking place in the financial world that's out there, in geograph uh, um, geological type things that are, that are taking place. The world is groaning. The world's coming to a place, and we as the church cannot afford to look at the signs and just ignore them and say, well, they've been going on for a long time. We still got a long time. No, you don't know that, and we need, we need to be busy. The times are pointing to the return of Christ, and, and, and those that are followers of Jesus Christ, we, ha we don't have anything to fear, They've already, we've already passed from judgment to life, but those who are on the earth who don't know the Lord, they are not going to be in that position. They're not going to be that way. And 
God loves people. He, that's why he gave his only son. And that's why his son saved us and why the spirit of God indwells in us so that we can be flashing the sign that God loves you. The Lord loves you. He's provided a way of escape for you. And so our mission is to not draw attention to ourselves. Our, mission, our, our purpose is to draw attention to our Father in heaven. That God so loved the world that he gave his Son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is our mission. That is what our sign is. That's what our, our sign should be broadcasting. And so we need to ask ourselves, what kind of message are we conveying? It's just that simple. What kind of message are we conveying to those that are around us? Look, there's not a perfect person in this room, and we've all lost it from time to time. Come on now, be honest. But we don't live in that state. We don't go there. We, we ask God to forgive us, and we pick up and we go on. And if we've offended someone, we go and ask for forgiveness and show them. What do we do when we ask for forgiveness like that? You know, say you, let's say you get upset with someone and you let them know it. And then God convicts you about it. You go to them and say, look, I just want to apologize and ask for your forgiveness. Holy Spirit inside of me is convicting me. I was wrong. I lost it. Don't make excuses. Just say, I was wrong. And I'm just asking you to forgive me. What is that saying? That's, the, that's, that's you flashing Jesus. That's you showing Christ to the world. And um, that's, that's the way our lives need to be on a consistent basis. The reason the church is not having the impact that it should in many ways is because it's sending mixed messages. It's sending mixed messages. You know, don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. Come on. What kind of a mixed message is that? So, any comments or anything before we pray? Any thoughts you want to add to it? Anyone? You're quiet tonight. <laughs> okay. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for your grace and your mercy that you bestow on each and every one of us. We thank you that the presence of the Holy Spirit does reside within us. And he speaks to us and he guides us and he directs us in all truth concerning Christ. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have begun a great work in each and every one of us. But we each have a message. We each have a place to let the light of Christ shine in this dark world. So, Father, remind us on a daily basis. Remind us 
that there are people who are watching, there are people who are reading our lives, looking to see if our life backs up what we say. Holy Spirit, if there's an area that we miss, then quicken to our hearts and to our minds what message we're broadcasting and what needs to be changed. And we thank you, Lord God, that the work that you've begun, you will bring to completion. And that that work is not for our glory, but that work is for your glory and for your kingdom purpose. I just pray for each and every one that's here tonight. God, let their light shine in this new year. Let it really shine forth. Let it, let it shine in such a way that it has a greater impact than it, than it has in the past. It's not something that they're having to force or make happen. They're simply being obedient to your spirit. Speaking when you say speak. Loving when you say love. Helping when you say help. And the message of Christ in us is being seen. So I pray for the favor of God to rest upon them. And for them to know that they have a purpose, a divine purpose purpose in this year in every day that they awaken there's a divine purpose for their life unknown to each and every one of us at that moment but revealed as we walk into that which you have for us Lord and we thank you that you've called us to partner with you taking the good news into all the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anybody here need prayer for anything while you're here? We got, we got people here who knows how to pray. Is your granddaughter what? What? 